Hey guys, it's good to see you again. I am delighted that you have tuned in for our second broadcast online. And uh, I just want to say a big hello to everybody locally here in the Bay Area and across the country and literally across the world. Uh, it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, share and teach and uh, talk with you in this unique space. So here's the text that I want to focus on today. It's Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Just the first couple of verses, and I'm going to skip to verse 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. And then verse 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. God, what a remarkable statement. You're here with me. And you are also with everyone who's watching me all over the place. Would you move supernaturally and naturally in all these different places? Work miraculously in our, in our minds and our hearings? And do what only you can do for us in this teaching moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing I want to call your attention to as we continue to kind of think together about what is it that's radical about the faith of believers, particularly in unique and challenging times. The first thing I want to call your attention to is in verse 1. It starts off by pointing out that uh, after Moses dies, God speaks to Joshua. Everything else in chapter 1 is framed by this notion that God is speaking to Joshua. So here's the first uh, insight that I just want you to grab hold to. You see, people who are people of faith, followers of Jesus, we believe that God speaks to us in every season. When things are going well, uh, we should be listening for what God has to say to us. And when things are not going well, we also should be listening for what God has to say to us. Now, let me be clear here. I, I think God is speaking to us in this season. And I don't mean by that that he somehow conjured up the coronavirus and has, has thrown it into our world so that he can get our attention. What I mean is that when the psalmist said, and I talked about this last weekend, that God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He's saying to us that God is with us in every situation and God has something to say to us because that's how he usually helps us. He's got something to say to us in every situation. What does God have to say to us in this time in the history of the world and our lives and our country? That's the question. I think God says four things to Joshua, and he's got four things to say to us. I'm only going to deal with two in this week's message. We'll pick up the other two next week. The first thing that God wants us to hear, 
that he was saying to Joshua and through this text is saying to us is this. I am the God of the known and the unknown. The known and the unknown. God was saying to Joshua, listen. Moses has died. The people are a little chaotic because their trusted leader for 40 years is now off the scene. But don't worry, I'm calling you. You're going to step into his shoes in a sense. Just think how frightening that must have been for Joshua, stepping in the shoes of Moses. And I want you to lead them. Your first leadership assignment is to lead them across the Jordan into the land that I have given you. Now, Joshua, you know that you, you were part of the uh, leadership team that explored the land earlier, a couple of years ago. And you know your team came back to, with the report that uh, there's giants in that land, and which meant that the people are bigger, more sophisticated, uh, that they're going to just really wipe us out. And so you know that that's spread throughout the community. And so people are really kind of, when we tell them we're going to go across the Jordan, they're going to panic. But you're the person to lead them. I, I think that really describes where we are today. I mean, the fact is, we're, we have crossed over into a place that is so unknown, very unfamiliar. Oh, there's so many unknown answers to tons of questions. How big will this crisis become? How many people will end up uh, being, in a sense, victimized by the virus? Uh, will we or our loved ones get the virus? Uh, what's the impact on the, the economy? Uh, what's the impact on our jobs? You know, all these unknown questions. And part of what drives our fear that causes us to want to panic is the unknown. I want you to look at this picture here that I want to show you. It's just one example of how, you know, the unknown has caused us to panic. This picture was taken a couple of weeks ago, so before we got into, here in the Bay Area, we're sheltered in place. So before this took place, check this out. This is one person, I guess he's at Costco, right? You got all that toilet paper on that one cart. And like, the first question comes to my mind is like, how is he going to get that home? I mean, like, does he have like a diesel truck out front? And then the second question that comes to my mind is like, my, my, my mind is like where is he going to put all that? I mean, like, in the living room, in the dining room, I mean, like, is he going to be eating and toilet paper all on the table? I mean, like, I mean, really? But that's panic, guys. You know that feeling because uh, maybe not you, but probably your next-door neighbor is this guy right here. Driven by the unknown. And then we're living in unfamiliar times, right? I mean, there's so many things. For example... Tons of us now are working at home with the wonderful um, added benefit of all of our kids being out of school. So they're at home also, right? And you try to figure out how to have your Zoom meeting with the kids running all around behind you, hitting you on the head with the bat, you know, all that kind of stuff. This guy has the answer. I want to check this out. Well, check this out. This guy, check out the answer. Here's the answer. Look at him. He's got his kids out on the floor. They got their heads tied, masking tape on. That's what to do, right? Right, right. Just tie them down for about three hours and you'll be just all right. Okay. I hope you see the humor in that. Don't tie your kids up. Okay. 
unfamiliar, right? This is talking about living in unfamiliar times. And yet, here's an insight for the text. I want you to get this. Listen. Joshua's generation, they only knew what life was like in the wilderness on the side of the Jordan where they were. They had they'd grown up there. They'd been there for 40 years. It was a safe and comfortable place. But for their ancestors, the place that was comfortable for Joshua and his generation was an unknown, uncomfortable place for Moses and Moses' generation when they first arrived. You remember, they had to come out of slavery through the Red Sea. They had to contend with droughts and famines all in that land. It was that place that was very comfortable for Joshua's generation was a place of struggle where people had to trust that God was with them in the previous generation. Now, I point this out because uh, many of us find these current times as unfamiliar, but if you tap into your, your grandparents and your great-grandparents, you'll discover that Suffering is not unfamiliar. Challenge is not unfamiliar. If, if, you are, uh, 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 if you are Italian, there's a, there's, a, there's a portion in your history in America where suffering was not unfamiliar. If you are Irish, there's a time of your history in America, particularly on the East Coast, where suffering was not unfamiliar. In my case... Uh, I'm an African-American, so I immediately think about my grand-aunt and grand-uncle and, and grandparents who lived through the era prior to this one, and I'm living in comfort and I'm living out the blessings that they suffered through trusting God to provide. Let me give you an example. 1956, uh, I think it was January 30th, Dr. King was leading the Montgomery uh, bus boycott. He was at First Baptist Church giving a speech, and his wife, Coretta Scott, Coretta Scott uh, was at home with their oldest, their first child, and there was another lady there helping her. She heard a thump on the porch, and what she describes later is pretty amazing. She said she just had an instinct to move, and they got up and moved into another room, and in the next few seconds, an explosion took place, took out the porch and, and, and the, the room where rather than her daughter was. Dr. King got home. First thing he did was rush to make sure that they were fine. And then someone said, you got to go out in front and talk to those people because there was about 300 people that showed up. They had, they had bats and guns and, and they were angry. They were frightened. They were panicking. You know, kind of like the folk who are buying lots of guns to go along with the flour and the toilet paper, it's, 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 it's out of a place of fear. Listen to what Dr. King says as he steps out on the front porch. We believe in law and order, King said. Don't get panicky. Don't do anything panicky at all. Don't get your weapons. Don't do it. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Remember that that's what God says. And then he goes on to say that that, that if I'm taking out, this movement will continue. And then here's how he ends his, his talk. He says, what we're doing is just, and God is with us. 
That is what Moses' generation knew. God was with them. That is what Joshua is going to have to proclaim for his generation as they go into a new unfamiliar territory. You know what? Just, this is what God says, just like I was with Moses, meaning his generation, Joshua, I will be with you and your generation. I am the God of the known and the unknown, of the comfortable and that which is not comfortable. Trust me. Can you just say trust me? That's the first thing God says to us. Secondly, the second thing God says to us is, when I say us, I'm talking specifically about those of us who are Jesus followers and people of faith. God says, lead. In this time of difficulty, you Go first. You model for the rest of the people because of your faith in me uh, uh, how to lean in. Lead. Note in verse 2, we're told that God said to Joshua, I want you to lead these people. Lead. I always like to point out different kinds of leaders. Moses, for example, was raised in the house of Pharaoh. He was well-educated, most powerful nation of the world at that time was Egypt. Spoke multiple languages, knew about law. Uh, he had trained in military tactics, perfect for the leadership role that he was called for. Joshua, on the other hand, his dad was a slave, and uh, Joshua was not educated, uh, didn't have any of the resume that, Rose, that Moses had, uh, and yet he had a heart for God. He had been Moses' assistant. And God says, your heart for me qualifies you to lead. Here's my point. You may be a CEO used to leading large groups of people, or uh, you may be a high school dropout, never led anyone in your life. But God says, if you trust me, if you believe me, I- I'm calling you to step forward and go first. And in this difficult season, I need my people to lead. Now, I can hear you asking, lead how? That's a great question. Two quick things that Joshua knew when he heard God say, I'm calling you to lead. The first thing that Joshua knew was that that meant sacrifice. Can can, can you guys just say out loud, just say sacrifice. Yeah. Joshua had been Moses' assistant And he had been with Moses, and he knew that leading the people of Israel meant great sacrifice. This is a period that calls for sacrifice. Let me explain. A few days ago, it was the second day of us sheltering in place. I woke up feeling very claustrophobic. And in that space, because I had been in the house all day the first day, I hadn't gotten out of the house. And I'm an extrovert, so I like need to, you get it. I was feeling claustrophobic. I, was, I started feeling like I was in prison. I, I started feeling isolated. I started feeling like the, the, the government regulations were somewhat oppressive. I'm just talking about my feelings. I knew differently, but my feelings, I'm talking about this is how I felt. And in that moment, God gave me, you know, a revelation that really blessed me. And I went on Facebook and I shared it. Some of you heard this. I remember that 1 John 3.16 says this. We know what love looks like. 
Jesus Christ gave up his life for us so we should give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And I had this revelation. By my being sheltered in place, I was helping to slow the spread of the virus, which at the end of the day was helping to save lives. By my putting up with this claustrophobic challenge and all the other sacrifices that come with being kind of locked down, I was helping to save lives. And perhaps in this season, my staying home will be the greatest expression of love that I will have had an opportunity to live out in a long time. Sacrifice. When I think of sacrifice, I think of the doctors on the front line. I was in the room the other night when my wife, uh, Rhonda, was talking to uh, Enoch. Both of them are physicians. Rhonda's working in the VA hospital and Enoch is working. He, he's leading the county's effort in San Jose and, and he's literally caring for people off the street, right? And they both were talking about it and they were sharing how uh, at the VA uh, they don't really have enough equipment to dress and protect themselves. They were rapidly, uh, they were way behind what they should have had. Enoch said, well, we've got enough, but in about a week, we're going to be completely out. And so Rhonda asked him, he says, she said, well, what are you going to do when you're completely out? And he said, uh, we're going to figure it out. You know what I heard in that incredible moment? Enoch was saying, we're going to do whatever it takes to save lives. We're going to do whatever it takes to save lives. Which ultimately means putting themselves even more at risk. So I know a lot of you guys are sacrificing, right? I know we've got uh, high school seniors thinking, you know, I'm not even going to get to go to my prom. But just think about, compare that sacrifice to the sacrifice of Enoch and other doctors actually putting their lives on the line. No, we've got high school students who are thinking about, you know, I, I won't even be able to walk this May, it looks like. I don't even know when I'm going to be able to walk. I get that. That's a sacrifice. But, but just compare that sacrifice to Rhonda and Enoch and tons of doctors all over the place, all over the country, putting themselves, on the, their lives on the line to help keep people, to get people healthy. You know, that's kind of what God people do, you know. In the first and second century, when a plague broke out twice in Rome, uh, uh, man, the Christians ran towards it to help care for and nurse people. Because we follow a Jesus who gave up his life to redeem the world, we just tend to lean in in this time. Sacrifice. Now, we all have to sacrifice. My point here is, what attitude are you sacrificing with? That, that as people of God, God is saying, I want you to go first. Sacrifice with an attitude that says, I get it. Count me in. Secondly, as I bring this to a close, uh, Joshua understood that leading the nation of Israel meant service. Again, he had been around Moses. He had been his assistant. He understood that. God is saying to us, you heard me say this last week, I'll say it again, he's calling us to service. The little whisper of the Holy Spirit in your heart right now, if you're listening close, I'm sure it's saying, hey, ask this question. What can I do to help? How can I help? 
You know, last week I told you I was going to ask this question with our team, and we did. And what we've decided to do is that we're going to identify two churches because we have the ability, we got cameras, we got the money that you give to support what we're doing, to get online, we have all these gifts. But you know there's a tons of churches, smaller churches out there. Uh, they, don't have, uh, they don't have the people, they don't have the leadership. Their people don't give online, so when they don't go to church, they don't get their money. If they don't get money, they can't pay the bills. They can't pay the bills. They start laying off people and shutting the doors for good. So we want all churches to succeed in this moment. So we're going to identify two churches locally. And we're going to, this, 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 this week, uh, and we're going to lean in. And we're going to walk with them financially as you support us. We're going to support them out of the resources that we have uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future until we get to a point that hopefully we're in a, definitely we'll be in a different space. What can I do to serve? Here's where I went in for the day. So God says, I'm the God of the known and unknown, and I want you to lead. I want you to lead by sacrifice. I want you to lead by service. Here's this last piece. Get this now. And I want you to lead the way Joshua led, with unanswered questions in one hand and incredible trust in me in the other. That's what made Joshua so unique, guys. I mean, I mean, I mean if you had asked Joshua... If he was here and I was interviewing him, and I said, well, Joshua, like, can you just explain for me the historical piece where God left the nation of Israel in slavery for 450 years? Uh, did you ever get the, did you ever figure that out? I'm sure Joshua would say, no, I didn't quite figure that out. I don't know the answer to that. All I know is that, uh, that my parents and me as a young person, that, 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 that God showed up. He proved to be faithful. The Red Sea rolled back and we walked through on dry land. And I grew up for the last 40 years in a safe place. What's with Joshua? Do you, did, can you answer, how come you guys had to go through famine and, and, and drought uh, through those early years right after you got out of the Red Sea? And Joshua would say, I, I don't know. He says, but, but I know that my, my, I remember as a kind of a young fella, at the end it was tough. It was really hard. It was a time of suffering. But then God showed up. And miraculously, quails came from the sky, and, and, and we found ourselves feeding in a time of famine. God showed up. Miraculously, water came out of the rock, and we found that we were standing on a spring, and we got refreshed in a time of drought. I, I, I got a lot of unanswered questions, uh, Joshua would say. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't even know why God took Moses right now. I would prefer him to be here and me to stay in my assistant place, but, but, but I know that God is faithful. That's what Dr. King says. It's the same thing that Joshua and Caleb said when they came back with the, with the spies. It's exactly the same thing that God says to Joshua in verse 9, which we'll talk about next week. It, 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 here's the point. God is with us. I heard somebody say, I'm clear about the fact that God is with me. The real question is, am I with God? That's the question for you. That's the question for me. That's the question for us. Are you with God? Simple. Just say, just today, God, I want to trust you. Count me in. Amen. Let's pray. I, if you will participate in this time of prayer, I just want you to hold your hands out, would you? 
And uh, wherever you are, just hold your hands out. And I know you're not just in the Bay. I know you're across the country and across the world. Uh, I just want you to apply this message in your, your, your unique context and, and, and just hold your hands out. God, as, as people are holding their hands out all over, the, literally all over the country and the Bay and the world, you know their circumstances. You know their situations. You know how frightening this moment is. You know how unsettling this is. You know that some of the people are holding their hands out. They're out of jobs. They don't have a place to, to work. You know that some of the people who are holding their hands out, they're sheltered in place with people that they don't get along with. And they don't really know how they're going to get the patience to try to be your, your God person in that context. You know that some of the folk who are holding their hands out, uh, they, they, they have, they're raising challenging kids and, and, and now they got, they're, they're sheltered in place with those challenging kids, those teenagers. Would you show up? Would you test the lives of the people who are holding their hands out? Would you? Would you just move naturally but also supernaturally? Would you, would you make a difference this morning, this day, as they listen by video? Thank you. I, I, I know you're with them. I, I believe you've heard this prayer. And I'm going to trust that you're going to heal, you're going to bless, you're going to deliver, you're going to bring peace. You're going to be a way out of nowhere for everybody that's holding their hands out right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying that prayer with me. Listen, we're going to end with uh, my giving you a chance to respond. If you're looking uh, at this by way of the website, there's a connection card attached uh, on that site. If you're following along uh, with us on Facebook, uh, or you can actually go to our app. Uh, any of you who have the app, just go to the app right now and go to Next Steps. There, there's, a, a, there's the opportunity on the Next Steps for you to indicate, you know what, I want to trust Jesus right now. I want to I be on God's side, and that starts with me saying, I'm going to trust Jesus. The way my, my, my grandparents, my grandparents and, 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 and forefathers, I want to do that. You can do that. There are some other options there for you as well. Uh, under the response to the message, I just simply want you to write, uh, I'm in. Just write, I'm in. If you're willing to, to do the things that, that, that I've suggested, you're willing to, to trust God in the unknown, if you're willing to lead by sacrificing and serving uh, and, 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 and moving forward with unanswered questions but an extraordinary trust, if you're saying, I'm going to do that, I'm going to model that, I'm going to have that kind of heart, would you just write, I'm in, I'm in. And then lastly, there's a place on the connection card for you to join our 40 days of prayer and fasting. And it's an opportunity for you to uh, you say, well, it's almost too late. No, 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 no. We need everybody praying. So just, uh, just check uh, that you want to be a part of that. Or you, uh, on, on our website, you can go to, uh, to pray and fast and just uh, sign up. Give us your email. And I'm going to send you a scripture and a prayer. And every day you should create some sacred time at home. And make sure that you're spending a little time praying for others and praying for your family, and praying for yourself. Hey guys, I hope you were blessed by the worship and the message. And one more thing, in three weeks we're going to have Easter, and we're going to have an Easter broadcast online, which is awesome because it's going to make it easy for you to invite your family and friends and a whole lot of folk who typically you wouldn't be able to invite. The information is on the screen, and I look forward to seeing you next weekend.